Hey, everybody, would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Obadiah? The book of Obadiah. It's a hard book to find. It's lodged somewhere in the Minor Prophets. And it is the smallest book of the entire Hebrew Bible. So find it extra credit if you have paper Bibles and you're flipping through to find Obadiah. High five yourself when you find it. It's a big deal to find the tiny little book of Obadiah. So if you struggle, well, just keep struggling. You'll eventually find it. Um, you all are going to become experts on the book of Obadiah today. It's a book uh, that prophesies against the Edomites. And so today you are going to become an expert on what an Edomite is. And so we are going to look at the book of Obadiah. It's in the series that we are in on the minor prophets. And they're called minor because they just have less that they write compared to uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. These are shorter books, but they are... Whoosh, powerful books. These are words written with the, the Lord's words written to us. And it's for that time, the Edomites, but we can certainly learn from it for today. The, the, the book of Obadiah is about loving our enemies. So if you ever come to this church, and you're like, man, I'm just never very, very challenged by what the preacher says. Well, Buckle up because today it's challenge like to love people you don't like. Like that's what this message is about. To not celebrate when someone you don't like, like a, an enemy of yours, they get defeated. To not celebrate, that's hard to do. So this is a challenging message today. And it's a message, I think, for our community, for our society. I think in in these recent times, there has been more and more fighting, more and more side picking. Wouldn't you say, like, if you look at social media, people are always fighting. Like, there's always something to fight about. There's protests going on. I remember early on during the racial uh, riots and protests in May, there was, I think every day was somebody protesting somebody, violence uh, turning into violence, people protesting violence, and then that protest turning violent. It was just like, come on, like every day, one after another, all the news articles were about protests and fighting in, the, in this city and that city. And there was one story, you probably didn't see it because it's kind of a heartwarming story. And those heartwarming stories didn't become very popular. And so there was this story of, it wasn't even in the United States. It was in England, in London, there was a protest uh, for a Black Lives Matter protest. And then counter protests came out and there was in the streets, like people fighting in the streets. One of the counter protest, a white man got pushed down uh, concrete steps. And this video, uh, someone started filming and you see a black man come up to this guy and you just think there's, there's chaos going on. There's people kicking him. You just think this, this big black guy, he is going to hurt this man, this middle-aged man that has fallen down and been pushed down these concrete steps. And instead he goes over and picks him up like a, like a baby, like a strong black dude, picks up this guy, puts him over his shoulder and people are punching him and the white guy. And this guy brings this man, this white man, a black man carrying a white man to safety. And here they are, like they're both protesting very different things. They both have very different ideas of what's going on. And yet this man, the black man in this scene, like had the wherewithal to say, here's a guy in trouble. He might be my political enemy. We might have everything to disagree with, but here he is picking him up and bringing him to safety. And I just thought that's an image of Jesus saying, love your enemies. The title of this sermon is Obadiah, 
why you shouldn't rejoice at your enemy's misfortune. Why you shouldn't rejoice at your enemy's misfortune. I'm going to read for us uh, a little passage in Obadiah and then try to explain who the Edomites are and give you some background so that you can be experts in the book of Obadiah. But it's really about not celebrating when your enemies undergo misfortune, which is very easy to do. Like when you, if you don't like someone and something bad happens to them, you kind of just, yes, like, like, yeah, I told you so. I was right. But we as believers are called to love people we don't like. These are the words of Jesus. Have I challenged you yet? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Let's stand. Let me read for you Obadiah 15. There's no chapter, so it's just Obadiah verse 15 through 17. Then I'm going to read verse 21, the last verse in Obadiah. Then, so you know where I'm going, I'm going to go to the words of Jesus where he tells us to love our enemies. So this is Obadiah 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill. And he's talking about drinking judgment here. So all nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion, there will be deliverance. That's the big picture here. There, there is going to be judgment, but it's all for deliverance. It will be holy. Skipping to the last verse in this book, it says, and the kingdom, God's kingdom, will be the Lord's. Skipping all the way to the New Testament, Luke 6, 27. These are the words of our Lord. These are the words of Jesus. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Also, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt for them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. This is the word of the Lord. And everyone said, Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you right now and ask you to help us. Lord, this is challenging to love those that, that don't love us, to love those that we don't like. Lord, this is a challenge. And Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance. You are good and holy. And Lord, we celebrate that you love us. So we praise you and we thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, there's three groups. If we're going to become experts on the book of Obadiah, there's three groups, just three groups you need to know about. And we'll come back and explain who these three groups are. But the first, uh, to simplify it, the good guys, we'll call them the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob and the 12 tribes. You cool with that? Like God's people, good, good guys. Uh, then we have the bad guys. We'll call them the Babylonians. They're the people who are going to destroy the Israelites. And then this middle group, this whole book, of Obadiah is against this middle group who are, aren't really the bad guys, aren't really the good guys. They're just the bystanders. They don't do anything when the bad guys, the, Israel, the Babylonians destroy the capital city of the Israelites. You good? 
Good guys, bad guys, and the middle guys. And this whole book of Obadiah is against these middle guys. And so we'll get to answer that question. Well, what in the world did these guys do that made them the recipients of this prophecy in this book? And it has to do with a lot of history. So I'm about to give you some history. This is a nerd alert. I see a couple new people. It's like, yeah, this, this is a weird church. Um, it is, but it's good. It's weird, but it's good. So point number one is this. So I have a sermon, three-point sermon. The first point is this. Difficult relationships need mending. So this middle group, these bystanders are called Edomites. Where do the Edomites come from? Well, it's a long history that I just gave you the nerd alert for. And it has to do with Jacob and his twin brother, Esau. Yeah. So Jacob and Esau. So Jacob is the younger brother, but they're twins. So just by a few moments, uh, and Esau who will become Edom and the Edomites is this second, uh, this, this firstborn twin brother. And so if you know the story, they come out fighting, uh, in their early, uh, adulthood, Esau comes home from like a hunting trip and he's hungry. Jacob has a big pot of stew. What are you supposed to do if someone's hungry and they come into your house? What are you supposed to do? Feed him, right? Instead, Jacob's like, I'm not going to feed you until you, do you know the story? Sell me your birthright. It's a messed up story. It's a messed up brother-sibling rivalry. And Esau's like, sure, I don't care. I will sell you my birthright for a bowl of stew. It's a stupid story. It's like ridiculous. Like this really happened? Is this serious? And then a more ridiculous story happens at the end of their father's life. He's blind and mom gets involved. He says, Jacob, you know I've always loved you more than your brother Esau. Like what? Who? What mother says that? And it's like, here's what we're going to do, Jacob. We're going to dress you up like Esau. You're going to go into your blind dad's room and he's you're he's gonna bless you instead of the firstborn Esau and so this happens and they begin to and then Esau comes back and is like where's my blessing dad and he's like well I just gave it to somebody else sorry about that and there's this fight and there's generations of people come from Jacob and Esau we have Jacob with he gets his name changed to Israel and we have the Israelites we have Esau gets his name changed to Edom and we have the Edomites are you with me so far And so we have these generations and generations of people. And I'll tell you in a minute where these two places are today. And they're still fighting. As soon as I mentioned this name, you're like, yeah, they're still fighting. There's always fighting. There's been fighting there since Jacob and Esau, thousands of years. We have uh, like fast forward 400 years from Jacob and Esau. We have Moses coming out of the land of Egypt, slaves. They're trying to just get to where they're going. They get to the kingdom of Edom, who's a descendants of Esau. And Moses sends word to the king of Eden. Say, can we just cross your land to get to where we're going? And the king of Edom says, eh, no, go around. And so Moses is like, well, we're brothers. We're literally, we have the same like father. We are brother tribes. Please just let us pass through. We'll stay on the highway. If so much as a cow goes off and drinks some water out of a creek, we will pay for that. Just please let us pass. And the king of Edom says, eh, go around. Like this is the kind of fighting that happens between Jacob and Esau, between the Israelites and the Edomites. Today, thousands and thousands of years later, this is the border between Israel and the Jordan, the country. This is what we call the West Bank. And even today, right? There's, we always hear about fighting there and contention. And we hear about bombings. And still to this day, generation, thousands of years, these people groups are still fighting. The 
message here for us, because we're going to talk about the Edomites in just a minute, is that difficult relationships need mending. That's the point here. These two guys, these two uh, people groups, these two tribes should have, and they still now can, like they need to mend relationships. And so I would say to all of us in here, what relationships do we have in our lives that need mending? Is it a family member? Is it uh, a romantic relationship that is no more? Is it a coworker? Is it boss employee? Is it who is it in your life that needs mending? Because this is what can happen. Evil and anger can beget evil and anger, and it could be generational. I mean, if we take this as our example, let's talk more about the Edomites. So point number two is this. It's really the point of the whole book of Obadiah uh, having to do with the Edomites, these people who are descendants uh, from Esau. Point number two is this, love your enemies, especially in their misfortune. So this whole book of Obadiah is about the Edomites and it's a warning against them. It's a prophetic word saying that there's going to be judgment. So what did they do? Like, what did these Edomites do? Because here's some of the things that it says. Uh, Verse uh, one of Obadiah says a vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. Skipping to verse two. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. Uh, Skipping to verse four. Uh, Though you're like an eagle and making nests, I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Verse six, but how Esau will be ransacked, his treasures pillaged. This whole book, It's a very small book. All of Obadiah is against this tribe of Edom. What in the world did they do? Are you wondering what they did? Because I've talked about, okay, here's the... the, the good guys, the Israelites. Here's the bad guys, the Babylonians who will take over the Israelites. And here's the Edomites in the middle. Like, what did they do that was so bad? Well, here's the situation. Are you ready for the situation? I'm giving you a lot of history, but I want you to be experts in Obadiah, like to leave here and at lunch be like, I'm an expert in Obadiah. You could tell the waitress, did you know that? She's like, whoa, what's Obadiah about? Well, it's about the Edomites. Well, what did they do? Well, listen up. So we have this story of Jerusalem getting taken down. If you turned to 2 Kings 25, you could read about this, and this is going to get very violent. We have in 2 Kings 25, this story of the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign. This is the king of Israel. He is in uh, Jerusalem for simplifying things right now. And so it's the ninth year on the 10th day, the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar, you've probably heard that name before. He's the king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem and his whole army. He encamped outside the city, built siege works like scaffolding to get into Jerusalem. And the city was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. Anybody quick with math? How many years is that? Two years. So two years of people out. Imagine like 2020 was a bad year, right? Like we had some times of quarantine. Imagine if you couldn't leave your house because there was an army of people waiting to destroy you. Not just for one year, a couple weeks of quarantine or whatever that was in 2020, but for two whole years. Like this is a bad scene. Skipping down to verse uh, three, uh, by the ninth day of the fourth month, famine in the city had become so severe, there was no food for the people to eat. And then if you read on in this story, so the Babylonians are trying to destroy the city of Jerusalem. They finally break into the wall. Not sure what the plan of the army was, but it doesn't work anyways. The army runs out with the king and they run past the Babylonians. The Babylonians catch up. They get the king. And here's where it gets very violent. Brace yourself. They get the king. They make him watch the death of all his sons. And then to make sure that that's the last 
last thing he ever sees, they gouge out the king of Jerusalem's eyes. Then the Babylonian army, I know it's violent, goes into Jerusalem. They tear down the walls. They tear down the temple and all the houses. They round up the people like animals and they take them and the king to Babylon. So that's the bad guys, the Babylonians destroying the city of Jerusalem. So what do the Edomites have to do with all this? Well, the Edomites are the neighbors. And it says here in Obadiah 11 that they stood aloof while the strangers, these Babylonians, carried off the wealth. Then they come in and they cast lots for the scraps that are on the ground. Skipping to verse 13. You, you, they, in the day of the disaster, they gloated. It says you shouldn't have done this. You gloated over the calamity. In the day of disaster, you came in and you seized the wealth. You shouldn't have done this. So you, do you see the scene? The Babylonians destroying the city of Jerusalem and their brother neighbors this neighboring tribe who came from the same father, the brother tribes, they gloat, they celebrate, they do nothing to stop it. And then they come in and they ransack even more. That's what the Edomites did. And there's this Psalm. It's probably the saddest Psalm in all of scripture. It might be the saddest passage in all of scripture. Some of you might know this, and now you will know the context for this very solemn, sad Psalm, which is Psalm 137. I remember reading this in high school. I didn't go to a Christian high school. I went to a secular high school where in literature class, we read a bunch of happy Psalms. It's like, oh, the Psalms are just this happy book. It's like, not so fast. Let's look at this Psalm, Psalm 137. It says, by the river of Babylon. So these are the captives from Jerusalem by the rivers in Babylon. There we sat and we wept. Do you know this psalm? And there our captors asked us for songs amongst the poplars. They hung up their harps, it says, because they had no songs. I mean, can you imagine being starved for two years and then rallied up like animals? Your king, guy, eyes gouged out. You are in a foreign land. You have no joy to sing about, even though the captors are asking you for songs of Zion. How can we sing? Verse four, how can we sing the songs of our Lord while in a foreign land? And then it gets to the Edomites. You've probably heard this before, and, and now you have the context for what's going on. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on that day, Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Think about the betrayal here. Think about, like, you have friends. Like, they're, they're your friends, and they've betrayed you. A neighboring uh, family tribe is completely betraying you, doing nothing, gloating, like celebrating that you are going down. And then while, while the captives are taken out, they go in and just ransack any other scraps that are left. This is the sad state of humanity. In fact, the word Edom uh, comes from the same Hebrew, Hebrew word as Adam. This is humanity. This is a picture of humanity just stepping back and not doing anything, celebrating as enemies go down. The last point of this sermon is to love your enemies. Love your enemies. This is what God calls us to do. It's very easy. I mean, here we have the three groups, the, the Israelites, the Babylonians who destroy the Israelites, and these people in the middle. And, and I think maybe we often find ourselves in the middle of situation. We see protests, we see violence, we see people taking very, uh, like, way over here, or way over here. And here we are in the middle, like, we have a side, like, we have a side we go with. And it's, isn't it like, there's something to be said, like, when our enemy, when the people we don't like, when there's misfortune that comes to them, it's just a part of human 
human nature to celebrate that. It's like, well, yeah, I told you so kind of language. And that's the language. That's what the whole book of Obadiah is actually against. Because if we have that attitude, it really means we don't love the people we need to who are our enemies. This last point, love your enemies. Why? Because this is what the Lord does for us. The Lord loves us even while we walk away from him, even while we uh, turn our backs on him and we create in our own hearts an enemy um, like relationship with the Lord. He comes running to us in his love. Amen. I think about the, the message Desiree shared last week in our discipleship after church we'll have today as well. But last week's uh, topic and message was the Lord loves us. Like even while we were sinners, even while we were running away from him, the Lord is chasing us down in his love. And what does he do? He wants us to love one another with that same love. I opened up reading this passage in uh, Obadiah about the cup, the cup of judgment. And, and the Lord does judge because to set things right, there has to be judgment. And there is a cup of wrath, but do you know who drinks it? Do you know who receives the ultimate cup of wrath? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus on the cross, this image that we have in our church. Like Jesus on the cross is him taking the wrath upon himself, the cup of wrath. He takes the wrath. He takes the punishment. He takes death. God himself dies for our sins so that we can live. And instead of handing us back a cup of wrath, he hands to us a cup of salvation, a cup of his body and blood broken and shed for us. 